Hey, I want to thank all of our listeners and sponsors of the show. Without you, the show would not be possible. We so appreciate the reviews and ratings, which increases awareness in our effort to grow the fan base of the cowboy, rodeo, and Western lifestyle culture. If you are new to the show or have been a listener for a while and have just not had the opportunity to rate and review the podcast, it's really simple. Just trot your pony over to the iTunes Apple Podcast, click on the show, scroll down to rate and review, and give us a five-spur rating. The podcast is available on Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher, as well as many other platforms where you listen to podcasts. Just type Modern Cowboy Podcast into the search bar to subscribe, listen, rate, and review. And if you're interested in being a sponsor of the show to showcase your business, DM us on Instagram at Modern Cowboy Podcast or message us on our website, www.moderncowboypodcast.com. Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey, everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand, and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the modern cowboy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Uh, really uh, excited to have my guest on today, Randy Bloomer. He is the CEO and founder of Bloomer Trailers. They're the world's leading custom horse trailer manufacturer and just excited to, to talk to Randy and hear his story. So, Randy, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Thank you, Dan. It's good to be on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. Now, um, you guys are located in Texas. Where exactly? We're in the, the big town of Salado. We're right in between Austin and Waco, right on I-35. Okay. Came here in 2002. Been here a long Perfect. time now. Well, now, give us a little give us a little background on you. Did you grow up in Texas? Uh, did you grow up in rodeo? Kind of tell us how you how you got started in this industry. I did grow up in Texas. Actually, I was born in Andrews, Texas, and raised in Odessa, and then. Um, so my and yes, I was active in high school rodeo and started roping a little bit before that team roping, mm-hmm. and then kind of got into horse show world a little bit, and then kind of got into the jackpot team roping because it was just it was coming on board strong. Mm-hmm. My U.S. number is four zero four eight. That tells you how old <laughs> I am. I think they're on thirty <laughs> fifty thousand now or something. I don't know, but I did. I've been around horses my whole life, and um. It's some facet or another, you know, I, 
I figured out one thing. Well, I had an accident a few years ago and kind of put me out for two and a half years. And and after that, I really realized that the one thing I was missing was just a good horse, you know, mm-hmm. because even roping, roping's fun, but it's not fun if you're not on a good horse. And I've been fortunate to have some good ones. And so I kind of sunk my teeth into looking for just a ranch horse recently because mm-hmm. I could, mm-hmm. got released last summer to be active and get to do what I wanted to do, you know, and everything healed up and all this stuff. So I did. And the one thing I figured out is I love that Brandon. <laughs> I grew up in a dragon <laughs> the fire. And so put the word out and was fortunate enough to find a couple of good horses. And, and my son's been doing it with me. And I don't know, it's just a, there's no competition. The only co- the only pressure you have is the pressure you put on yourself if you rope a leg and drag it to the fire and listen to all the guff that comes with it, you know, <laughs> right. from the guys. So you're thinking, please don't take me off this horse and make me go to the ground, you know, that kind of thing. But <laughs> it's just a nice release for me, you know. So, right. But, yes, I do like team roping, but it's just I just really enjoy this right now, riding through my cows and – I just enjoy it. It's peaceful. Now, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Now, now, are you um are you competing any any ranch ropes and stuff too? Or are you just talking about just doing your own brandings on your own cattle in your own place? No, I mean we we'll do that. But these have just been guys that have asked me to have ranches and right. and need some help, and they'll ask you to come out and and help them. So I've been doing that for just some neighboring ranches here, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, they, they, you know, everybody appreciates free help. Sure. Even if you're not very good, you know, I mean, <laughs> if you get lucky and are good that day, they want you back. But, uh, no, it's that, that's what I've been doing. Now, I now did you rope you, one time last what, what, year. Oh, you did? I did. I went, I had a deal to do in Albuquerque. And so I stayed with Denny Gentry and, and being Denny, you know, I said, Denny, I hadn't been on a horse. And at this time, I sincerely had not been on a horse in two and a half years. And, he said, "Well, just use this horse. You know, as his heel horse, he he couldn't he couldn't do it at the time. He was recovering from a, a surgery, and so he couldn't do it. And so I rode him around, and I thought, man, this doesn't hurt at all. This is cool. And he said, well, hey, I had some guys coming over. Well, let's just run some. And I'm like, Denny, come on, man. I, I'm telling you, <laughs> I have a rope. Anyway, we were on a roping, and and it was fun, and and you know, a good time had by all, and." Then did my thing and came back and thought, man, you know what? This is crazy. I need to. I was. I'm not saying I was lost. I just felt like something was missing, you know, kind of my life. And right. and team roping takes a lot of time if you want to be good, right? So right, absolutely. I, yeah, I always wanted to be good, and and I was on a perfect stretch there of getting my number lowered, you know, <laughs> instead of right. raised. And so it's going the wrong way. And so, anyway, it uh, it just told me that maybe, you know, I've been doing it so long and so hard at it, trying to, it, it became another job, and I didn't realize it until I was off. And so I thought, you know, if you come back to rope and you come back to rope, and if you don't, you learn you can live without it. And right. it, it became a business, you know, where I'd go and talk about trailers all day instead of focusing on, the roping and because I know which one makes my living and certainly not the roping. So I'd always right. talk about trailers <laughs> and, you know, or something. So, 
anyway, that's that's kind of how that that played out. When I started back, I thought I'm just going to baby step this thing and there's some other things I enjoy. And so that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Now you talked about coming back from being injured. Are you, are you talking about, I, I, cause I don't know a whole lot about you. I mean, other than your trailer brand and, and a few little things, but I know that you were in a, uh, a uh, plane crash a while back. Is that what you're talking about coming back from or? Yes. Yes. That was in, I guess, uh, September, October of 16. And, um, so it took me till mid 18 before they got all this, everything corrected and, mm-hmm. and got back to where you, you know, you felt like you could do some stuff again. So I right. had some sheep hunts last year. And so I really hired a trainer cause I was getting fat and doing nothing. <laughs> and so it <laughs> figured out real quick. First thing I had no wind, I'm like, holy right. cow, but this trainer whipped me into shape in about, it took me four months to really get to get to where I felt strong again and all this stuff. So, right. yeah, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. It's no fun. None of it. So now, don't, now, my lesson today for these people, uh-huh. Uh-huh. don't crash a plane. Yeah. Just don't do uh, it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you guys were very, very fortunate. I know, I don't know who all was in, in the plane with you if, where if you were flying, but uh, you want to touch on that a little bit? Just give us your experience there or? I sure will. Um, you know, I've only done this twice. I've only talked about it twice. One time I was at Vegas on a podcast out there and then, mm-hmm. and today, but you know, it, it takes a long time mentally to get to the point where you can actually talk about it. And it was a really brutal thing. I had a terrible concussion for like eight months that, uh-huh. you know, nightmares and just stupid stuff. It's, I thought I was stronger than that mentally. It right. turns out I wasn't. So no, we were, I took a guy on a hunt in West Texas and, I had one of I was I was literally a week away from taking my policy exam. I'd done all the all my stuff, had a, you know, all the hours and all this stuff and so he had a little twin Comanche he'd just redone and so we flew us out there and, and we did our hunt and he picked us up in Marfa, Texas mm-hmm. and coming back another another instructor there had come and picked us up, whom I knew real well. And we everything was fine and we were um kind of starting our descent into um the airport and i was going to drop a guy off and then and then come come home i I went to temples where i flew into and so we got to outside mineral wells about six miles and the engine started fluttering the right engine and so it went and so couldn't make the airport we'd already cancel flight following and everything so we mm-hmm. could see the airport but we were losing altitude pretty quick so knew we weren't going to make the runway and so decided that uh, the best thing to do is you know find a field and get it on the ground and so there's one ahead of us and i guess we're a couple miles out still and trading off just all our altitude for airspeed to try not to stall it you know and so right. uh anyway we uh found this field and and so the i guess we were about two miles at this time now about a mile i guess and uh and the left engine went and so we were just dead you know in the air and so trying to trying to get a glide i don't know if anybody knows about those comanches that they glide about like a brick i mean they're an older Mm -hmm. airplane and they're heavy and we had all our gear in it and 
I had a friend of mine in the back seat. And so it just got to a point where you know that you're going to have to try to land this thing and try not to stall it. Right. And that's what we did. We, I turned around to him and I said, get down, we're going to crash. And so he actually undid his seatbelt and just laid down across the back of the seats. And, and sure enough, my pilot, I'm not going to throw him under the bus, but all the protocols that they teach you, which I had just been drilled into me for two months. Right. Um, we didn't do any of them. <laughs> like, oh. So, hey, <laughs> like, here's the manual, you know, and he just kind of panicked. And this is a 6,000-hour pilot. I mean, no you guys kidding. don't do that. And I don't know what blanked out, but he did. Made a bank to the right, which you don't do that. But there was trees in front, trees to the right. left, and big power lines to the right. So you're not you – know, that's your only option, so – yeah. At some point, I just grabbed his arm, and I just, I'm not going to tell you what I said. We need to get this thing on the ground right now. And so anyway, he banked it hard, and and it hit right Ugh. in the engine and my side. And so I didn't want to burn up. I thought it didn't knock me out. It, it cut me open a few places and all this. And I, mm-hmm. But there was some, I thought it was smoke in the cockpit, so I said, let's get out. It's going to burn, you know, and, and it broke my seat. And uh, a radio had come out and hit me in the sternum, cracked my sternum. And I was loopy a little bit, but it never did knock me out. I wish it did, quite honestly, but it didn't. And right. so I, the door was knocked open, fortunately. And so um, I tried to get out and looked down. I had a couple of bones sticking out of my leg. And I said, I <sighs> broke my leg. You're going to have to help me. And so he jumped over my seat and drug me out. And I said, get Craig, you know, and he goes in there and he was knocked out and he, he pulled him out and it was smoke from the, it was dust is what it was. Right. And I thought it was smoke. Oh, so it turns out we, we weren't going to burn. <laughs> and so then we waited and, you know, got, got a helicopter ride, you know, that the whole thing was, was surreal. You know, I, I tell yeah. people this because I get asked a lot and I never thought I was going to die for some reason. Really? Whatever it was, it, I was just, I was just kind of focused on, on just, I don't know, just surviving. Maybe I really don't know, but I just never, never really crossed my mind. It was going to hurt because fast as we were going and right and hitting there, but it did broke it in half and and just stuff like that. So then, two years, four operations later, here I am. I got a little limp. Got a. Uh, shorter right side a little bit all the cartilage died down there so mm-hmm. but they did a great job putting it back together because there was a chance i could lose my foot so they did a good job and so no harm no foul you know here i am so that's crazy no. <laughs> silly today's episode is sponsored by modern cowboy performance nutrition the brand built on grit determination and perseverance Modern Cowboy products are designed to increase stamina and strength, build lean muscle mass, and promote healing and pain relief. For more information and to order products, visit our website, moderncowboy.global, and use our podcast listener special code, MODERNCOWBOY15, at checkout for 15% off all of our products and apparel. Yeah, it it is crazy. I mean, surviving, you know, a plane crash is, uh, uh, I mean, I couldn't even imagine. Now, are you back flying now or... I flew in commercial, and then last 
summer and last fall, I flew to um, the Yukon for a doll sheep hunt. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, those those float planes and, and oh, yeah. the, you know, the, the turf planes, there's some areas in there where you just, I just felt like, you know what, just, you know, get past it. Right. And then you just kind of allow yourself to, to just not not pay attention to it. You're flying below the mountains, and <laughs> they're a hundred yards over there, and you're like, man, it's all trees. And but the hunts <laughs> were good, and we made it back safe and sound. So it was That's all good. Great. That's great. Yeah. Well, hey, let's let's talk about your your trailer brand and company. I I can tell you the first time I think that I I saw a Bloomer trailer. I, I don't remember what year it was, but I was at Cody Cowden's place, and um, I can't remember who it was. I know that uh, Duke and Kelly was there. I think Chance Helton and some Kelton and some other guys. But I just remember a guy rolling in there with a I mean this big old brand new, awesome looking, and it said Bloomer. That was the first time I seen it. Bloomer trailers and. Had a stereo system outside of it that was blaring music and stuff, but uh, that was that was my first experience when I saw one. I thought, man, that's that's a nice trailer. So, um, tell us how, how how did you get started in in because you guys you I mean you build the trailers that's that's what you guys do. What uh, what inspired you to 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 do that? Man, it's a it's really not a great story because I really <laughs> this far into it, it, you know, you start something with a hope and a prayer, but. I was, um, and this is a, the same story I tell people that ask this question in the bridge version, but I had horses and I had some good ones. And at the time was showing AQHA. So I went to an AQHA show up there in Fort Worth mm-hmm. and I had a dealership at that time. And I won't even mention the name, but it, it was everything in the trailer business had kind of gotten stagnant. There was so much, I guess there was so many people wanting aluminum trailers at that time because they were, this was probably in 94, five mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that really the manufacturers were pretty fat and happy. They, they were building as many as they could build and they gave you allocations. You know, you can have so many of these, so many of these, so many of these. And I was pretty aggressive and I was always sold out way mm-hmm. out in the future. And, and I got to a point where I, I had a really fortunate quarter and had had a lot of sold orders and, and really a lot of people weren't building bigger living quarters at the time. And I, I, I had that market. And so, right. and a lot of it was from the Cowboys, you know, I mean, Rich Skelton Speedy has been with me for 26 years, you know, or 27 right. maybe. And so everybody was kind of wanting to go that way, but nobody really had stepped up at that time. And, and I, I was the guinea pig, I guess, and I did. Well, I sold all my allocations out mm-hmm. to so far that I finally flew up, had a meeting with them, and I'm sitting in front of the owners and, and the reps there for the dealers. And I just ran through it just like you and I are talking and said, look, I'm out five months. What am I going to do in that meantime? Right. And, I, and I had a plan. I said, you've got these people over here, these dealers, there's six of them that really don't do any of the, the bigger trailers, the living quarters they can have all my small trailers and, and bumper pulls and stuff. And I'll take theirs and it's a win-win deal. And, and there's like, well, well, you know what? We've been pretty successful doing it the way we have. Mm-hmm. Cause there's things before this, let me premise it with some, 
stuff I'd sent them ahead of time and said, some recommendations for changing them up because we're using them and, and there's some stuff that's not convenient and they don't get enough air and the mangers are too tall. They can't get their head down. And from a practice, from an experience that I have with one of my horses that I had taken to the AKHA show and went right. straight from there to Baton Rouge to U.S. Roping and had blood in the manger when I stopped to get fuel oh. and unloaded them. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? And the truth is it was, it was hot summer, you know, July. And mm-hmm. it was, it was, um, the mangers are so tall. He just couldn't get his head down enough. And he just stuck his face right down the pan and it just kind of ground his lips and his gums. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man. So that's when I, you know, that's what started the slow process. Me sending him this stuff saying, Hey, we need to lower these things four inches to accommodate every horse, lower your, you know, your, your manger right. wall, everything. And get some airflow in that first stall and so on and so forth. So I had all these things. A lot of the things that's on my trailers today are things that, that I asked them to do way back. And it, it wasn't because I knew more than anybody. It's just because I had a lot of good customers that went a lot of miles and they were telling me these things, you know? Right. And so they just evolves, you know? And, and so they said, that's when they told me that they'd had good success doing it that way. And, they had a lot of guys using them with no complaints and all this stuff. And I wasn't a shot at them. I mean, it was done professionally. Right. And so I, I wasn't, a, I was a young guy and I wasn't a businessman. I think I was 32 years old. And I said, look, I'm asking you what, if you're in my shoes, what can I do? Can I take on another brand to, you know, to get me by in this time? And, and, oh no, you know, we don't allow that. We don't allow right. another brand. <laughs> that's just old school isn't it and i'm thinking man this is the true part so i left there they stroked me about being the youngest guy and in their largest um dollar dealer and all this stuff and and that was kind of the way it ended where they told me they didn't know because i figured out none of them had ever been on this side of the desk on the selling side of the desk and so (laughs) i was upset i wasn't i wasn't i guess i was kind of mad but I was really disappointed, I guess is a better way to put it. Right. So I go to the airport and call my wife and I say, Hey, she said, how'd it go? And I'll never forget. I said, it went terrible. She said, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, I didn't learn anything. I came up here and, and uh, she said, well, what are we going to do? And I don't, I do not know where it came from uh, to this day, but I said, and this is a true, true fast. said, well, we're going to build our own and we're going to kick their ass. That's what I said. So, and that's maybe used talking or, you know, whatever, upset, whatever it was, but on my way flying back, I just started writing stuff down and, you know, what I would like to see on a trailer if I was going to build one. So right. at that, and then you just start aligning yourself with people that know more than you. You know, I found a, a good shop foreman and a good manufacturer foreman and, we was a grand total of seven of us, you know? and so, so that's that's really how it started, and and we just, I I just the one thing I knew, it needed to be safe for the people and the horses, mm-hmm. um, and it it's it I wasn't gonna let it be a question of, um, whether this is the best component or not. We're either going to build the best component or buy the best component, but whichever it is, 
these may be collector's items, so I may only build 10, but they're going right. to be the best ones ever built. That was my goal, you know? Right. Um, so you just, you know, it's a question of how far are you willing to go? I mean, to, to satisfy your goals, you know, and being, make sure everyone is the best there is. And that was the whole mindset going in. It's just a philosophy, you know, it's, you gotta have philosophy of passion, attitude, mm-hmm. and reputation, networking, marketing, all the stuff, and be able to withstand the ups and downs in any business. Doesn't matter what it is. And I've just, I still, I'm old fashioned. I still go by the code of the West, you know, <laughs> I do. <laughs> and so sometimes when I'm, uh, dreading something or, you know, cause you're going to have meetings where you know, it's going to be negative oh, yeah. and you know, you're probably going to get your butt kicked really. Mm-hmm. Because if you screw up, you screw up. And some people you can say, you know what, I screwed up. Hey, let's we're gonna we're gonna fix this or we're gonna redo it. Um, I always like them face to face. And let me put that another way. I hate the face to face. Right. But I always welcome it because right. I just I try not to be so close minded where you, you can't listen. You know, you if they have a point, they have a point. So swallow yeah. your pride and you know, and, and do it. So that that's what I try to do and We've never, we've, we've never swayed away from that. So did you then, at that time, did you relinquish your, your dealership with, with the other uh, manufacturer? Yes, or, and did you do that I like did. effective almost immediately or? No, I actually, you know, in the, in the beginning stages, it, it took me about six months to really get everything aligned. And about the right. fourth month, you know, they caught wind of it because this is a small world. We live in the rodeo sure. world, you know, that in the Western sure. industry. And you bet. I knew it was coming at some point, but I had a bunch of those other brands sold too. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think I had 30 on, on order from customers. And so the, the company, I would not do this in my company, but they chose to, they called me and said, Hey, we're canceling you. Uh, we know you're going to do this. And I said, okay. I said, what about the, my sold units? These are customers' units, and although I'm be building my own, I, I'm not going to try to sway them away from that right now because I'm not in a right. position to do that. Right. And they said, well, you, if you want to keep them, you got to pay us a 20, uh, 10% deposit. I'm like, 10%. And I just started doing the math, and I'm thinking, that's a lot of money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, <laughs> where's my banker's <laughs> number? <laughs> and so somehow we managed to do that, and, and then I had these customers calling once the word kind of got out and about half of them were like, Hey, we'll just wait on you. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I will not get that 10% back <laughs> if we do that. But so anyway, I had a, I just had some loyal people and it's again, it's just following the same code. You know I mean? Yeah. You just, you just gotta finish what you start. And so I don't know. I, I just follow that code. So that was so anyway. What, here, what year was that? Was that ninety five? You said when you no, that was ninety eight. Oh, that was ninety eight. Okay. We, yeah, yeah. That's our twenty okay. second year. Okay. And so what I did was I had two trailers ready. Mm-hmm. I had built two trailers, and one of them was for the NFR. And so I said, "Man, I'm, it's going to be our debut," you know. And yeah. and one of them, a guy had had ordered and, and got it. The other one was strictly for that. And I remember in those days driving it out there. Mm-hmm. And I had my, my kids were very young. Um, man, I guess my son, was he born? Yeah, he was 
he was born, but he was maybe three. Yeah. His daughter was six. And I, I remember driving out there, pulling this trailer. And it's so, such a long trip, you know? And yeah. so we, we get there and we're pulling in at this time at the back of the sands. And, um, Chris Woodruff had started this show there that year. And, and he was at the cattle raisers convention. I had a trader there and he, uh, he stopped by my booth and told me about it. And I said, yes, on the spot, you know, I mean, I needed a venue cause there was no social media. Right. So, <laughs> so that's kind of how it started. We get there and I, I tell you this, this is a funny story. So this was trailer zero, zero four is right. what it was. All right. Cause I never built one and two because I said, when I retire, I'm going to build myself one and two. That was Got my it. whole, you know, that's 22 years ago. Right. I don't know that it matters much now, but it did then to me for whatever reason. Right. And so I, three was a customer's trailer. Mm-hmm. Four was the first one we built, which is sitting outside my office right now. And I finally, after all these years, um, got it back, bought it back from a guy that owned it in Arizona. I don't know okay. if he won't me to mention his name or not, but go ahead. Yeah. I mean, Craig Hamburg. Okay. <laughs> Craig Hamburg and the Craig I've been asking for a couple of years and right. he, he just wouldn't relent. <laughs> and so in Vegas last year, he comes in and, and we're talking and I said, Craig, man, I've got Daryl Singletary's cargo trailer. I got <laughs> the first stock trailer ever built. I have, this is to be the first trailer, first two trailers that I built and I need that trailer. I'm going to keep these. <laughs> You know, and right. uh, you know, on and on and on. So anyway, long story short, he calls me <laughs> a couple months later and and then, so a dealer of mine had a trailer he wanted, so I just wanted to buy this one from him. Right. If Craig, you know, if he listened to this thing, probably paid too much, Craig, thank you, but it was worth <laughs> it. <laughs> He's a good guy. But so anyway, back to the other story. I was pulling behind the sands, right? Mm-hmm. Right. After all this trip. And my wife said, I am so glad we made it. Can you imagine if, if something would have happened, this thing would have been wrecked or something? I'm like, <laughs> I gripped the wheel and I'm like, it never crossed my mind. <laughs> I just tensed up. And right. it wasn't a second later, I'm making the turn, and one of those transit buses comes by and gets in my lane, and this mirror hits no. the hay pod ladder. I'm not kidding, or a hay rack ladder, <laughs> and bends it. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and so, yeah, anyway, it's funny. We, The word had gotten out somehow, and that whole show, we were, I was just inundated with people. And it was, it was I mean, so gratifying, you know, and right. them just having the trust in you and to, to come in and, and trust what you're doing. And we sold 20 trailers. Man. And so at night, we didn't have any programs or any of that. I didn't even have a quote sheet, really. It was all handwritten. Right. We look back at some of those files and just laugh. Right. I'm sure there's tons of mistakes. <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> and I had to draw each one of them every night. And so I called my shop foreman. I said, hey, Joe, you're not going to believe this. He said, how'd it go? And I said, I got 20 orders. He goes, Man. What? <laughs> how are we going to build 20 trailers? We don't even have enough stuff here to do it. And I said, you're missing the point here. <laughs> that's your job. <laughs> I tell to sell them. <laughs> so that's kind of how it started right there. And, and it got us on our feet and, and we're, we were constantly, 
you know, I, I invented the pod because it was a necessity. I lowered the mangers. I created right. airflow with my top rail my nose, stuff like that. Right. If people only knew how many miles I'd ridden in the back of a trailer testing airflow and vibration and all this stuff because vibration transfers into fatigue for these horses. Right. And so I was trying to find any way possible to take that out and different tires and just whatever it was. And, right. and I, I was in one last uh, in February in the back for another mm-hmm. reason, you know, on triples and, and I don't know how many miles I've logged in the back, but man, I'll tell you what, if you, you got to be willing to, if you're going to sit there and crow about it, you better be about it, you know? Right. And I'm, I don't tell people stuff that, I don't believe and and have experienced, and I think that's you know you you're trying to screw up every once in a while and you're going to get your rear end you know spanked, but we don't make too many mistakes, and so that's just that's the way we do it on every one of them, yeah. For years, FSR Cattle Company has been known for their premium roping cattle, used and endorsed by multiple world champions and NFR qualifiers. But did you know that FSR is also the home of quality rope horses for all levels, from professional team roping to the novice level? A trip to Weatherford, Texas and to the FSR headquarters will give you a variety of horses to choose from. FSR Cattle Company will arrange transport for your new horse back home and a free ride back to the airport for you. For your convenience, we accept credit cards for all horses found at FSR. We strongly believe in matching team ropers with horses they can work and win with. So when you back in the box on a horse you found at FSR Cattle Company, you know you're mounted to win. Visit us online at fsrcattlecompany.com or in the office at 817-598-1222 and let us help find your next winner. Again. That's fsrcattlecompany.com. That's 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 an amazing story, and and so that you guys been in business twenty two years now. You said, yes, that's right. And then it's a long in your, time. yeah, yeah, and in your line of trailers, you you guys have everything from uh, like two horse bumper poles all the way up to big living quarters. Yes, we do. We have the full gamut. I stayed yeah. away from stock trailers for a long time, did Dan, you? because they, I did because there was some companies out there that were building them real good, you know, mm-hmm. and I thought, man, but finally my dealers two years ago, because uh, we had built some along, you know, with our horse trailer stuff and, and really they were stock trailer, but they were built with horse trailer um, extrusions and it just, I just always felt like it's kind of compromising, you know, and so two years ago, going on two and a half now, they they started asking for it, and I saw that, um, well, in order to do this, we're going to have to do the way I did the evolution in 07 when I totally revamped our trailers, mm-hmm. and so I just started getting dies built and, and started building these stock trailers to where they're a true stock trailer. They can stand up to the rigors of, of data use on, on the road, off the road, mm-hmm. um, welded on slats and, you know, instead of the way we do it on our horse trailers. And it was, when I got finished with it, you know, you always have people that buy them and you, unfortunately a guy like Walter Priestley, you can call and say, Hey, how's it going? He said, man, I think one thing you need to tweak is this or this. Mm-hmm. And, 
I said, well, what do you think is wrong with this trailer? And he said, wrong with it? He said, there's nothing wrong with it. He said, the only thing people are going to frown on a little bit is they, they're, they're too nice looking to get in the pasture. <laughs> and I said, what? And he said, well, yeah, you got polished slats on your stock trailers. I said, well, they just hold up better, you know? And he said, well, I know that, but I'm just telling you, <laughs> the per- persona of them doesn't look tough. And I said, well, I'm sorry. I've dummied it down as much as I can. It's, it's a stock trailer, you know? And, and we've sold a lot of them. I mean, it's been good. And the stock combos, man, I have one myself I just built. And I love those trailers. They're so convenient. And you, right. can, you they are versatile. You know, you can do a lot of things with them. And so I hadn't been without one for a long time now. And I wouldn't shoot, man. I've I've also got a horse trailer, you know, a little trainer's trailer. It's a true horse trailer. And, mm-hmm. But it's, I still grab that stock combo every time. <laughs> it's just too handy. Yeah. Now you're talking about stock combo. You're talking about uh, it's stock trailer and then you got uh, living quarters on it too? or No. no. Well, we do that too. We yeah. do that. Matter of fact, those in the last couple of years have really taken off. But these are yeah. these are true, um, the same as those two. They just don't have. They have a dressing room and gotcha. back room. Gotcha. You know. Yeah. Exactly. It's a couple of different styles. I started a trailer a few years ago, and I called it the trainer trailer. Mm-hmm. And I I did it on originally six horses, seven horses, eight horses, stuff like that. Toward has doors on the side and and a side load. So you have a full rear tack if you want. It's, and I called it a PC load. Everybody calls them PC loads, but let me tell you how that started so everybody will know what PC is. And it's so simple once again. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick Sartain, him and Rich just had a good NFR. Nick comes in and says, hey, I want to buy a trailer. Mm-hmm. But here's what I want. I want a stock combo. And he said, but I want to load them from the side right. and have the rear tack. And I said, you know, kind of like the old reverse loads. I said, well, all right. And so we sat down, drew one out, and it was pretty cool. It really was. And and I said, man, these things right here, Nick, they, this is a usable trailer. I'm going to use this. And he said, well, you got to call it the Nick Sartain Special. And I said, no, <laughs> not going to call it the Nick Sartain Special. How about Professional Cowboy? And he said, that'll work. You know? And so that's where the PC came from. Everybody, and half the people don't even know what it stands for, but that's the truth. Same with the pods. It's. I was at my old shop down there where it rained almost every day, and one of my customers from Arizona came in. They had the prettiest alfalfa hay on top. It was during Houston. Uh-huh. And they came in, and I'm looking at it, and I thought, man, I wish we could get that hay here, you know, because you guys have it out there, but here right. we have to truck it in. You know? Right. <laughs> and so it's big, pretty green alfalfa. And so I look outside my window and it starts raining. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so I run in my shop and say, get that treasure in here. It's... So I'm sitting there looking at it, and I'm like, I was talking to my shop, my plant manager, and I said, we have got to figure out a way to cover these things. Right. And he said, I don't know how we do that. So in my office at that time, I had a drawing board, a big old dry erase board. And when I have an idea or something, I'd put it on there, and, and I'd get with him. We'd figure out kind of how to how to make it look like it belongs instead of just something sitting there. And right. So about a week later, we built our first one and I said, I want to use a regular top rail. I want it to blend and all this stuff. And that's, he said, well, what do we want to call it? And 
I said, man, I don't know. It looks like a pod sitting up there. You know, I've seen them on Subarus (laughs) (laughs) with luggage carrier. And so that's kind of how it started it. And that's what we called it from then on. So that's where the pod came from. And then I sloped the front on the next ones. And now I have an integrated pod where it just flows into the top rail. And again, what are we going to call that? Well, we've integrated in the trailer. Let's call it integrated. And then we put, <laughs> where it goes all the way to back. Well, what are we going to do? What are we going to call that? Well, I don't know. Let's call it wings. And, and that's just how it all happens. That's and, so great. Uh, it's silly that everybody thinks it's some term, but that's the origin of it right there. And so the funny thing was when I built this trailer, I remember, this is no lie, I had four guys. I thought, man, if I can't get one of these four guys to come on board, I can't do this. I just can't. So the first three guys, I flew them in, took them to dinner, put them at my hotel, mm-hmm. took them down to that old crappy shop we were in, which our next door neighbor was Union Carbide. No telling what kind of chemical poison all of this guy, you know, but <laughs> right. that's all we could afford. And so he's, I was this is no lie. So I was telling them kind of my vision on, on what I wanted it to look like, you know, and mm-hmm. that's the old saying, you want it looking fast, setting still, you know, a little racy, let's get away from the old blocky horse trailer look. Right. Well, the first three guys, they, they didn't want none of it. So I had the last guy. So I thought, I'm not spending this money on this guy. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> he, so I took him right out, right outside the airport down there in Houston. There was a Denny's. <laughs> I took him inside there <laughs> <laughs> this is a short drive back. And so I took him in there and I sat down with a napkin. This is no line. I just started drawing out what I wanted to, to look like. And and so he's, and so I get asked this question a lot too. And, and at the time I had window bars that I had the, the, I had them on angles instead of straight up and down. Mm-hmm. And so he said, and I wanted Alcoa aluminum wheels on all of them, standard, Michelin tires, all this stuff. And and he's just looking at it, and he said, well, why in the world would you slant those? I said, because nobody else has them that way. And he's like, man, you're just adding cost. And typical, you know, those guys, they don't have much imagination, but they can sure build it the way you want it. And so I said, well, that's what I'm thinking, you know, and. Anyway, he made me guarantee him a salary for a year, and I'm thinking, I'll guarantee it. But you mean like in riding? <laughs> yes, <laughs> in riding. <laughs> okay. And so that's what we did. You know, we, we put him a contract in riding, and, and he moved down and started going over all these ideas, and, and it somehow worked. So it's just all these things that, weren't being done that we could enhance these trailers. And I was in a fortunate position. I'm going to give those guys credit for those guys to, to do what I was doing. They would have to stop their production. And, and I never was production oriented. You know, I didn't have to build 25 a day. And so I I had the benefit of taking each piece at a time Mm -hmm. and doing it the best that can be done. And, these guys didn't have that opportunity. And so we've, and we've never wavered away from that. That's what we do still today is anything on there is the best you can buy. And I'll tell you what, they've there, there's not been many things I've borrowed from other manufacturers, but like some latches and stuff they come up with. I think they're right. pretty cool. Right. Um, 
the steer trailers. I think the way they do those are real neat. So um, stuff like that, you know, we didn't, we really didn't have the knowledge to, to do it. And so when you see one that works, you use it. And right. that's about the only thing I've really borrowed from them. But still, you got to have open mind because I'm not doing it for me. I mean, I'm doing it for you guys. You know, right. whoever is out there buying these things. I got to make my dealers look good because they're a lifeblood, you know. Yeah, and, so. and speaking of that, you uh, how many? So you guys started selling just out of Texas, out of your shop. Uh, now do you have you've got licensed dealers? Uh, how many li- other licensed dealers do you have outside of where you guys are? I have fifteen. Okay, scattered around, and um, I didn't. I never really sold any out of the plant. I sold them myself, but I had to run them through a dealership because. Oh, you did. We don't have a sales license yet, I, and a lot of a lot of manufacturers do. Mm-hmm. I just always felt like it was a little sleazy in my mind. I still do to this day. I mean, I'm not going to make any apologies for my thoughts because if I was a dealer out there and I had everything I have invested in this dealership and I needed it to go, right? The last thing I want to do is compete against the manufacturer that I'm feeding. Gotcha. And so I just never did never did do that. So I have a lot of customers I talk to to all the time, but I always run them through a dealer. It just, then I don't have to, I can look them in the eye every time. So it's pretty simple process, really. When you look at it like that. And, and how, how many trailers are you guys building a year now or around? Well, we'll build about 250 to 300. 250 is a good number for us, you know, and it's, we, what we what we do a little different, Dan, is we average thirty seven feet on the floor. And I think the industry averages somewhere around thirty. And yeah. so we build a lot of big stuff, but the extrusions that we use are built for that because that's what we've always done. Right. To put them in a you know a three horse gooseneck that's sixteen feet long, it's a big overkill. But that's the extrusions that we have. So whether yeah. it's a two horse bumper pull, you know, it doesn't matter. We use the same stuff we use on a three hundred thousand dollar trailer. Right. Now your living quarters. Do you guys build all your living quarters too, yourselves? In the no, in, we the don't. Areas? No, we really don't. We our dealers use mostly outlaw conversions in Stevenville. Yeah. yeah. And there's a company, Trail Boss, in Missouri that that a couple of my dealers use. So they can use who they want. The only the only input I give them is. If I don't think it's a good interior that, you know, it's befitting of it, I won't allow it. But so right. far, I've never had to address that issue. Right. I have some real good dealers. And they stand for quality. And, you know, as long as you're on the same page, you're on the yeah. same team. Absolutely. Hey, so let's let's talk a little bit about, uh, I, I know just from uh, social media and stuff that, uh, and, and you mentioned earlier about hunting, that you, you're a big hunter and you've done a lot of hunting. Let's, let's, let's talk about that a little bit, some of your hunts. I've, I've, I know you've done some, I, I believe, uh, African hunts and stuff. And Do you have a favorite uh, have, game you like to hunt? Or? People's going to think I'm stupid. I like dangerous game. I like stuff that can hunt you back, you know, and I've been to Africa four times. Um, I've got, I think my first trip was maybe 2002 and, you know, you go on a plains game hunt, you kind of get your feet wet and, Mm -hmm. and get some beautiful trophies. Mm -hmm. Um, then I, when the next one I went on was on a dangerous game hunt and I was hooked. 
because really? Cape Buffalo elephant, you know, leopard, all these things that, you know, I'm a history buff. And so if you read capstick stuff, you know, from way right. back in, in the day, it, it just kind of, you wonder, you know, if, if you're standing in front of a charging Buffalo, do you have the courage to stand there and right. take your shot and make it count, you know? And, and so I have a 500 double rifle that I took and I was fortunate enough to be able to take an elephant at 10 steps and, yeah. uh, some Cape Buffalo when I'm on a charge and stuff like that. And so it kind of gets in your blood. It's, it's just an adrenaline rush. You can't yeah. believe it. It's satisfying too, to know that you took care of your pH there with you and the trackers because you did your job, you know, and, right. and then leopard, same way you want a humane, they're hard to hunt first of all. And, right. and so, but that, that hunt, I took my son with me. Mm-hmm. And he he killed a really nice Roosevelt Sable, number top five in the world. Man. And so we got to use him for bait <laughs> for my leopard. <laughs> 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 we used his. He, he, I mean, the stuff that we shot there, we, we were able to get trophy stuff that that we have mounted. Right. But in a leopard hunt, you have to use. We had nine different stands for leopards, so you know bait and so you you have to shoot some animals for bait too and right usually you find a coal or something but he sh- he shot a warthog that was huge so we took no, it down to the river and baited in crocodiles with it <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's just it's just a, it's not for everyone because you get over there and it's it's just a it's a third world primitive country yeah, yeah. you know we were mozambique and it hadn't been hunted in a long time and where we were at. And it, it was, you know, the poverty part of it will get to any person that has any kind of human feelings, you know, but right. they're, they don't know they're in poverty. It's just the way they are. And, you know, poachers are, the week before we got there, my pH is bringing supplies in this camp. And it was, it's a four and a half hour drive from, this old road that we drove seven hours on to get to mm-hmm. this old road. And the week before he'd bring in supplies and come on some poachers. And one of them shot at him and <laughs> right there, like where I would be sitting right in that door panel, there's a bullet hole there. And the first day we're there, I'm saying, Hey Johnny, what's this? And he's like, <laughs> Oh, some poachers, man. He said, they're you know, all this stuff. They're terrible over there, you know, and snares and whatnot. I said, what happened to him? And he said, well, I, unfortunately, I had to kill him. And I said, what? <laughs> he said, yeah. <laughs> he said, the other one, I shot him in the leg running away. I said, what did you shoot him with? He said, my three seventy five. Oh my God. And I said, well, what happened to him? And he said, well, he's, he said, we called in, you know, but it took him a week to get there. So the one guy we had in, out there and the, just wrapped him up and put him out in a cooler type deal, right. you know, and where it was the coolest. <laughs> The other one, we just laid him out in front, and he just moaned and groaned. And I said, all right, my son, who had never been there, is just like his eyes were huge. And we go into the, his 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 tent was like oh, 50 yards from mine. And before we go in there, he said, is he telling the truth? I said, yeah, I ain't going to lie. Oh, my gosh. And then experienced the black mamba and. 
Oh, it was man. just uh, crazy. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy stuff, but stuff you never see except in books. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah, Ernest Hemingway. So I do stuff. like that kind of hunting. Yes, yeah. exactly. It is. So it's it's a different world. It's a it's a different type of hunt. But you yeah. track them. You literally track them. You may go mm-hmm. for three hours to try to catch up with a one track. It may be a trophy, may not. You may turn around, and walk back. Right. But yeah, it's so far so good. That's I like awesome. one thing, and that's What's my that? my lion. It's oh. the only thing left on my big five and. I'm not going to dart a rhino. I think it's silly to go to South Africa and find one eating some hay and shoot him with a dart and take a picture right. with him. I don't like that. Right. So I'm not going to do that. But the lion, they, we were we, we were driving through this area and saw two male lions up there just kind of in the shade and mm-hmm. kind of drove up. And we're looking at the urban binoculars and the tail starts wagging and you know they're going to come. And so here they come and they chased us for a good ways and this, we were in no this truck and my son's up there with me and, and one of them, <laughs> one of they were, they were probably five years old twins and right. one of them had a beautiful black mane. If I'm going to come back and hunt that line right there. So <laughs> I haven't, but one of these days, maybe just depends, yeah. you know, yeah. depends on your that's, passion. Yeah. I need to build awesome. trailers right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think of that one, um, uh, that one video I saw on social media, it was a lion hunt where, um, that lion, uh, you know, was charging him and the guy was, was able to, I think it was the guide was able to get off the shot right at, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, seconds before, before, uh, you know, he, uh, almost contacted the, the, the hunter or whatever. But anyway, that, uh, that, that would definitely be an adrenaline rush. Like, uh, uh it is, it's a 600 I'm, pound animal. That's the king of the beast you know yeah you're not gonna outrun him you're not gonna outclimb him i mean you're just you, know, you yeah. better have a good weapon in your hand so yeah. yeah it was it was bad we had to drive right back through there and, and we didn't know where they were and so it was that little three mile drive right there they had every advantage and i was just thinking whatever you do don't miss <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's what i was thinking fortunately we didn't see them i was so glad that's one thing i was really glad about yeah so anyway uh, it's there's everybody there's hundreds of stores you know and you go all day talking about them but if somebody wants to go it's 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 uh it'll be a life-changing experience i'll tell you that yeah absolutely hey well we're kind of getting towards the end of our time here but um i always ask everybody uh do you have a favorite brand of cowboy hats you know uh the, the straws i wear resist alls Mm-hmm. And um, I do have an American felt that I really like, and and then J.W. Brooks fits me for some some other hats that I wear. Um, they gave me a twenty anniversary twentieth anniversary hat that was uh, chinchilla, and nice. I wear it a lot. So um, that's really who I use. Those guys right there. How about boots? What do you use? What boots? Yeah, I'm a I tell you what, my my everything changed after that crash because I, I my right ankle's fused, so it doesn't move, and so I have to be. I went through a lot of different pairs of boots, and right. um, Real Sir Mercedes builds a little boot that Trainer Evan sent me one, and that's what I got on today. And I'm like, man, I just duplicate this one, you know, and and I have another guy that's making some now to see if 
you know, see if I can wear them. It's real particular on the heel mm-hmm. and the height. Cause I can't right. do much angle. Right. So yeah, that's, that's, that's who I use. Who, who, who's the other guy that you got working on some for you? You want to say, or? Yeah, sure. His name's Cerna. He's a Hispanic fellow that custom builds them. Uh-huh. And, um, I was at the working cow horse, the world's greatest deal. And, and, um, talked to him a bit my son bought a pair and then i went back for the in the fall for the snap a bit and and uh he he was there and i talked to him and he said let me build you a pair and see what you think so i'm waiting on those now and um he can measure my foot and so we'll see hopefully it fits like a slipper you know yeah but uh so what about you can, can you say oh yeah down I, I, by no, I'm not bound by anything really. Like what hat wise, I'm what I'm wearing right now is I'm wearing uh, Clint Herring Herring custom hats. He built me a couple of hundred X's and mm. uh, kind of turned me into a hat snob. But yeah, and then uh, boot wise, I'm actually I just I'm wearing a pair of Rios Mercedes. That's what I'm wearing right now. Another pair of Anderson yeah. Beans. But uh, I'm I'm looking. I got a couple other guys that uh, I'm I'm working with that are uh, going to be building me a hat and another. There's another new line line of hats I just found out about. Uh, um, they're made in Italy, and uh, a kid down there in Texas. I had him on the podcast, Alan Sanchez, uh, Alan's hmm. lids. I'm gonna get get set up with one of those. So, um, yeah, it's you know I'm, 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 I just love hats and boots and and that kind of stuff. So I it's kind of a compulsion. I can't quit you know buying them. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make you a bad ones. guy. <laughs> that makes you a normal cowboy. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> hey, how about how about cowboy movies? You got a favorite cowboy movie? True Grit. Hundred percent. I'm a John Wayne fanatic. Oh yeah. Um, I just am. Got to meet his family, and that was uh, still friends of ours. And it, you know, it, it there's a lifelong deal. I mean, I've loved him forever. I like what he stood for. Mm-hmm. You know, on the on the screen and the things that he did, um, the, the code, the code of the West. I mean, I, I have his code of the West and it's, uh, it doesn't really matter who said it. It just happens to be John Wayne. that said it. So therefore it must be right. Isn't that right? right? right. <laughs> okay. <Exactly. laughs> I just love true grit. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I, th- I think that it's it's hard for me to say what my favorite all time cowboy movie is, but I think John Wayne the Cowboys is probably just the yeah. you know probably my all time favorite if I had to really pick. Uh, I can't disagree with you. I, you know, I just can't. I mean, Lonesome Dove. I mean, you got to include oh, yeah, it, so, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just love love Lonesome Dove and and Tommy Lee Jones lives about. 50 miles from me and I, I haven't met him a friend of mine Taylor Sheridan went over there and spent some time with him I'm like man that's a guy I'd like to meet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know but Hook you up. <laughs> I haven't yeah so anyway that's my favorites very cool does that make us old oh uh, well I, I know I know I'm old but uh, you don't look old I'm in your old. pictures though so you're telling me that you're 32 and 94 or something like that I'm thinking Dang, you look good still. Man, so. <laughs> well, I appreciate right. it. Thank you. Hey, I'll I'm tell you what. Something. Another thing I've learned in this thing right here, Dan, is I haven't been to the to get my hair cut in like nine weeks. 
<laughs> right. and I figured out that, you know what, this stuff will grow thick in the back and the sides. Top? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> so I gave it every chance. I gave it nine weeks. It's longer than it's been in 30 years, so. but nothing on top, hardly. <laughs> That's why we got hats. <laughs> That's exactly right. I'm in the perfect business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, Randy, I, man, I, I just uh, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your story. And uh, you, you're just a shining example of what, uh, you know, uh, the American entrepreneur um, is all about. And uh, um, I, I think you're, I think you're um, pretty humble in a lot of your uh, uh, descriptions about how you, you know, got started and built your company. But uh, it's a really great story, and I, I really, really enjoyed having you on and talking with you. I appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. All righty, sir. Well, one of these days you get out towards Arizona or when I'm back down in Texas, so I'd love to come by and see your operation down there and meet you in person. Uh, you come on by any time. We have a lot of people come through here, and I can bore you to death in 10 minutes or less, I promise. <laughs> you just come on anytime. Anybody's welcome to stop by. We love it. All right, Randy. Well, thanks again, huh? Yes, sir. Take care, Dan. See you later. Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Every Friday afternoon, I hitch up the trailer. Saddle up old rock and ice down a cooler. I drive that old back road until it ends. And the rope and pin We got them rusted out pickups And fancy rigs Twenty thousand dollar horses Then there's my own stick Although we're all the same The minute we ride in To the rope and pin can tell someday I just might be we'll turn a few steers and we'll tell a few lies kick back in the saddle and philosophize most of life's problems yeah we're gonna solve them down at the rope and Yeah, we don't do it for the money You were always broke Just ask Clint what he paid a rope Now he's lost a dozen wives Half the fingers on his hands To the rope and pin And it takes a little skill And a little luck If you can talk smack You can back it up Oh, but we're all friends no matter who wins, down at the rope and pin. Well, I ain't no player speed. But I give her hell, hey, you never can tell. Someday I just might be. 
We'll turn another pair of steers Tell a few more lies Drink another beer And hypothesize Most of life's problems By God we're gonna solve them Down at the roping pen We'll see y'all again Next weekend Down at the roping pen Down at the roping pen